Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Bud. With me always is Dual Chase Hanger. Hello, buddy. I'm glad we can make this happen. Let's do this. Uh, I like, first of all, I like to give a little timestamp that while people are hearing this, I'm probably still in Bali. And so, <laughs> uh, and here's the thing I say probably because we don't know what the way the future is. I have heard that a lot of flights are getting canceled on the day. Um, yeah. That's happened three days in a row for certain airlines. People, I might fucking, who knows? I might get the spicy cough just before heading off. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, but at the everyone. point of recording that we're banking these episodes up, I'm in Bali. So I'm excited, clearly, uh, because it's not long before I fly. But I'm also very excited because of our guests who have you having today. Fuck, one of the most like I, I reckon I, I didn't know he existed, and the next thing I know, the kind is everywhere, and I absolutely <laughs> love him. Uh, wow. People, uh, he recently is you know he's an international touring comic, and recently opened for Jim Jeffries in his big arena shows. Please welcome Rudy Taura. 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 Oh, it's the the brown man mispronouncing the white man's name for once. That's a nice <laughs> know. change of pace. Rudy Taura. My God. <laughs> but also, Roots is how I used to always use to selfies, and that's why I got it. Yeah. Now, first, that's a good starting off point. Are you a white man? <laughs> oh, well, it, apparently, it's been Are you even allowed movie. to ask it's, that? No, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, did you just assume my racial identity? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's been a weird one uh, because growing up mixed race. Yeah. You, you're neither, really. Society didn't really look at you as either. Yeah. So, what is your what is your mixed roots? So, my mum's Scottish and my dad is Maori. Yeah. So that's a really that must be quite a challenging thing for any kid because it's that thing of going no matter which way you which household you like grandparents go to you don't feel quite like you fit in. Fit in, yeah. So it's funny. I don't I don't know if it was like you when you'd find people of like your nationality or sort of your skin tone, you'd kind of band together. I found it we had this big group of just mixed races from all over, you know, we'll, we had yeah. nothing in common except for the fact that we're mixed race. I might be friends with like a, a you know, a stony slash Chinese. South African. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, so like the school, the schoolyard in the eighties, which quite often many schools where you had the Greeks, the Italians, yeah. the Vietnamese, yeah. and everyone who was mixed race just had to form their own gang. <laughs> yeah, we formed our own gang. <laughs> My, that's so and and uh, where did you grow up uh port adelaide in south yeah. australia beautiful so, lovely port adelaide so what what was that uh in, in in terms of that sort of impacting that sense of identity did you ever notice that you felt like like being sort of the not fitting in either kind of camp like say whether there was like family traditions or anything like that because the reason i'm asking is I have a version of it, not exactly the same, but because my parents are mixed religion. So yeah. my dad's Buddhist, my mom's Muslim. Uh, and because of that, we never quite lean, lent into any of the Buddhist traditions because we grew up in the Muslim house. house. But at the same time, we weren't Muslim. So we didn't quite do anything Muslim either. And then throwing yeah. the fact that I went to a Catholic school, it pretty much <laughs> fucked me up in terms, of, <laughs> in terms of my sense of identity, which I, you know, uh, medicated with it, food and booze, you know? I think definitely, yeah, when I was younger, it was a bigger, it was a bigger of an issue. Um, because I, I, in retrospect, I think a lot of it was what youth, what we thought ourselves is we didn't think we fit. 
into yes. either of these categories. And because we sort of kind of gave these uh, vibes off, then everyone else picked up on that. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, Australia in the 90s wasn't the most, you know, woke place in the in the world. So Yeah, yeah I, I don't think, imagine I Port Adelaide in particular. Yeah, in particular. <laughs> Yeah, because then also, you know, there's Melbourne and Sydney not very woke in the 90s, but you've got to understand the rest of the country is also another 10 years behind. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's that under Because I, I always think, like, I had, you know, I'm half Dutch, half Australian, but for me it was very simple because it was like when every everywhere you're outside, you're Australian, and when you're yeah. home, you're Dutch. Yeah. That was pretty much, there was no there was no crossover. It's like, and when yeah. you were Dutch outside the house, it was just like, you just sounded funny. See the weird. It was it was the primary school. It was the primary school drop-offs. Yeah, that's when people knew I was different. When my father would take me to school, and um, he was very clearly a very very dark man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. then you know you got to give it to the you got to give it to the redheaded white gene. It's a very strong gene when it when it comes up against the the dark skin gene. So <laughs> we're all fair haired, light skinned, and people are just confused. Well, like you didn't know what to think of anything. Well, it's just so many so like so many assumptions would have would have been made. So yeah. like and also there's only so much you can gather at drop off, which yeah. is which is which a lot of assumptions are made that. Yeah, you know, this big married guy drops off this red-headed kid. It's like, is it his? Is he looking yeah. at the kid? Is it a foster kid? Is, <laughs> yeah. is, is the kid okay? okay. Has the kid been kidnapped? It's, it's <laughs> is actually, the kid oh, just leaving, being exited out of a nightclub? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I was actually at a supermarket one day, and I was standing behind my dad while he was paying for the groceries, and this white lady's come up behind me and pulled me away and whispered in my ear, oh. "Are you safe? Oh we can help my you. god!" I'm like, there's so much much to unpack there. Like, there's so much to unpack there because because it comes from a good place. It comes from an amazing place. It comes from, like, I want to make sure this child's okay. Yeah. And the underlining stereotypes. Like, yes, he hits us, but biologically, (laughs) in this day and age, he's allowed to. So. And and for her to walk away and go, gee, this eight-year-old's very articulate. (laughs) And you know what's so funny? I don't know, because our listeners who may not have a visual for Roots at the moment, Google the picture, because when when we're doing you talking, I'm still picturing an eight-year-old with tattoos on his head. That's what I was was thinking of as well. A drop-off. What, uh, what's the ta- what's the tattoo uh, on the head say? Is a bit of writing. That's there? my surname. Yeah, yeah. Which is great here in Australia, but boy, oh boy, do I get teased for it back when I go to New Zealand. Well, what is? Yeah. What, why it's not common to have you? Well, well, no, because the surnames are so common over there. It's not, oh, right, it's right. Not it's like thing. having like uh, Smith. Smith, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or just James tatted on on the top of your head. The, um... So I thought I thought oh you know it's a nice meaningful thing. I'll show the I'll show the family that even though I, I'm overseas and I don't get home as often as I should, I'm still representing the family. And they're like, oh, what is that? Your driver's license on your head, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, how when did you get the the head tat? A uh, couple of years ago. I've been slowly building them up over the years. Because since like you started Pokemon doing, cards. 
since you started doing comedy, you've always had it, I reckon, or at least since I've known yeah, you. Yeah, I was it, trying yeah. to, I, th- I think, I think that the, well, it's funny, I remember meeting you the first time, but it was kind of funny because when you walked in, um, it was kind of refreshing because it was me and a whole bunch of younger comics all looking the same. And then I'm like, God, I'm the old guy who's been on the scene. And then, <laughs> and then you come in with a swagger, I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this is, but I'm entertained. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's see, that's uh, that's that's comedy one hundred and one. People people get mistaken. They think comedy is about making people laugh. No, it's entertainment. Just gotta just gotta entertainment. <laughs> well, see, this is the thing, and and this is probably. I mean, it's quite problematic what I'm going to say, but I think you actually talk about this on stage as well, so you understand where I'm coming from. But it, it is a genuinely it shouldn't be but it's a fucking like penny like interesting moment when you when you find out that you're also gay as well it's the it's the misdirection of yeah. society looking at you Wait, which what is... direction got missed yeah. misdirection <laughs> because because he, he didn't get turned on by women he had a misdirection but, but like, <laughs> no one no one sees it coming yeah yeah that's no, it's funny because some people give me advice because sometimes I camp it up before I do the reveal, and they're like, "Don't, don't act camp before you tell them because it kind of gives it away." I'm like, "No, it doesn't." <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> no one's mean- looking at my head and seeing me do a little bit of a curtsy and think, "Oh yeah, he's definitely homosexual." Yeah. <laughs> and and if that and, and if that heterosexual person even picks up on that, great yeah. radar, you're probably gay yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm four years in, man, and I tell you, it, it doesn't matter how many gigs I do, I'm still getting asked at the end of every gig. Are you really good? Yeah, come on. And Tell so us the truth. What's uh, what does that feel like? What is because like, I don't think been... I've ever had anyone question my sexual. Oh, that's not true. Adam Richard reckons I'm still in the closet and I haven't come out yet. He reckons I'm so far in the closet that I'm in Narnia. In Has anyone place. ever questioned your ethnicity, though? Um. Uh, one kind online right, he right. wants because i referenced i referenced vindaloo and this sri lankan guy goes this guy claims to be sri lankan and he's mending indian curries fuck this guy that's my closest but has someone questioned your ethnicity no no i did a regional i did a regional uh tour uh with the comedian kim lee he was emceeing and uh it was you know these little regional towns that don't they don't really have many gays or they don't have many that are out and the gay thing's not really talked yeah. about in a lot of these towns. Uh-huh. And I had a lot of them coming up to me, so many of them coming up to me doing the art. Oh, you're not gay, are you? And Kim Lee, who's Vietnamese, was emceeing. And by the end of it, I, was, I couldn't be bothered. So I'm like, I am gay, but, but the MC, he's not Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> he puts on a fake tan and an accent. It's all, it's all an act. <laughs> Go ask him about that. <laughs> I also love, I also just, what a handball. <laughs> I also just got my own hypocrisy where I said, did, has someone ever questioned your ethnicity? Like as if like accusatory, when I realized I opened the podcast with that very question. <laughs> yeah. But you know, no, it's also, it's, it's, but also like really the idea that someone like just like put it in any other situation yeah. that someone else can come out. I, I, I'm painting be it or like anyone else to go up and go, are you not? You're not really gay, are yeah. you? Because yeah. then the the backside is if you're pretending, fuck, it's a whole can oh. of worms as well. Like, <laughs> like, 
Why you couldn't you couldn't do that either? And you know what? If it, if I am pretending, I am pretending in every aspect of you're, it. You're you're deep uh, undercover, on and off stage. And I tell you what, if I ever Balls come deep. out as heterosexual, the amount of men I've slept with, that gives me the right to have said <laughs> these jokes. Uh, I even say that now. If you're straight and you want to suck a bloke off and then make a make a gay joke, you've earned it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're prepared to put in the work, is, is that the license? It? Is that how you get that's, your license? Yeah, that's the, the, license. The, the, the G plates. Yeah, that's the G plates. If some of the big temporary gay card. I just like the idea of you know so many comedians who burn all their material. Uh, they're deep in their career. They've, they've gone too much on radio. They're like, there's nothing left in the tank. Well, it's time to suck a dick. I need another. <laughs> I need another festival show. That's that's all these comedy courses going around. I should start one up. <laughs> you just pay seven hundred and fifty dollars, and you suck and his it's dick. A, it's a ten to fifteen minute comedy course, <laughs> and all you do is just just come in. Suck me off, and there you go. You've got a whole other avenue to explore. It's it's called writer's cock. If you're writer's writer's cock. <laughs> if you, oh, you can't have any creativity, I've got writer's of all cock. The, out of all the comedy courses out there, I guarantee it, it'd be the only one that's fucking useful. Oh, There's a bit so of that, good. which we we don't have time to unpack the comedy scene because I definitely have a mixed uh, mixed feelings about comedy courses, man. Yeah. Uh, in the one hand, I'm like, fuck it. If people want to get better, do whatever you can to get better. But on the other hand, fuck, there are people making money off some bullshit yeah. um hey it's so bullshit yeah, yeah. hey um but, what, look, but on, a, on a very serious serious note i know we're fucking really uh turning riffing here but away. it's great the, great riffing everyone great riffing the um yeah, I'm sorry all my riffings turn into comedy because it's either comedy or mining i've got to talk about so please yeah, lead mining? the conversation yeah but what's what's the mining part I th- well, I'm either on the road or I'm... <laughs> that, that, a, is that, that's in... not a, a gay thing, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, I'm either on the road or I spend uh, the time I'm not touring away working in the mines because just to get that bank, baby. Especially during been... COVID. Yeah, you you bounced to Perth for mining, yeah. didn't you? That was yeah. fucking sick because well, you got that, to do comedy just, as can well. Can we just unpack that? We, I don't think we've had anyone who's actually done that. So do you go like which like out mines, WA? Uh, no, recently I'm in Roxby Downs, which is a little mining town in South Australia. Yeah, wow. And so, and so are you like seriously two weeks on, one week off, that kind of jazz? Uh, my, I'm, yeah. My supervisor, I work my swings around my touring. So I did, yeah, just okay. before I did the gym tour, I did five weeks straight. Yeah. And then I had three weeks off. I've just gone back for a week. And then yeah. now I'm going over to the New Zealand leg of the tour. Yeah. And then I'll go oh. back for a couple of weeks and then I've got Queensland tour and then back for three weeks in Perth. And so they work around me. They're really supportive. It's actually really, really helpful. Mate, isn't the New Zealand tour tonight? Uh, they fly, no, no, Christchurch 7th. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. I thought because that's why because I, I went to the show yesterday and he said they're off to New Zealand tomorrow. So I assumed. Yeah, but, but yeah. it's just a, a classic reminder of like you know like even no matter how well you're doing comedy, you know you you want yeah. to make bank. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. You know you, you go. Oh, opening for Jim Jeffries. Oh, he yeah. must have six months off yeah. a year. Yeah. No, it doesn't work yeah. like that. No, no. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I, I had a couple of blokes from work come to watch me at the, at the Adelaide Entertainment Center. It's like it's you know that's the primo. That's the venue everyone wants to tick off their bucket list. 
Yeah. And he, he was there watching me Saturday night. And Tuesday, I rocked up at work. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's just, yes. Like, I just love it. Like, sometimes I just go, that, that, you got to paint that picture for me. Because it's, yeah. that's, that's what the majority of us are. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. What, what people were more surprised to find out is on Tuesday, even Jim Jeffries rocked up at the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I think he's doing very well. I think he's, I think he's fine. <laughs> It'd be yeah. nice. If, it'd be funny to see Jim Jeffries in a tea room and then drive off in his Maserati. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you before, Dill. You wanted to get serious, baby. You wanted to uh, real talk. Yeah, I just want. Well, I think, um, <laughs> as someone who is definitely, we, I think we talked a lot about identity on this podcast in terms of how um, you know my stage persona was all about making fat jokes and stuff like that, and yeah. I, I kind of held on to the weight, and it was not until I started working on my mental health and figuring out that my identity isn't my uh, weight and things like that, that did yeah. I not get healthier? Same with the booze and all of that. Have you found any uh, impact <laughs> of the questioning that comes um, from like people after shows going, are you really gay? Are you I did a listen into some of the pods before I come on and, and then got the gist of what the uh, podcast was about and what I've got to say is not in in tune with the podcast because really? I, I don't I don't find myself sort of um, feeling like I'm stuck in a character or whatever. I'm pretty much the same on and off stage. But yeah, I find the worse my mental health gets. Like the higher the anxiety pre-show, the better the performance. Oh, that's interesting. And then um, sort of. When I'm in my, when I have like my uh, depressive uh, swings, you know, the depression comes in for a little bit. That's when I find myself writing some of my better jokes. That's interesting. So it almost, in a way, has this ability to to still service you. Do you know what I so, mean? Yeah. Like it's not because a I use. I, I feel so bad that I'm like, yeah, well, I'm gonna show you. Well, that, that, I, I isn't think- that the rawness of it? I think that's just like yeah. you're tapping into the rawness of whatever that feeling is, which you then can't get any more closer to the truth. Truth, yeah. And that, and that's where usually most of the funny stems from. Yeah. Because you can't, it, where else is there to go? Like, you know, you, you're not looking for a tag, you're genuinely feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this this raw emotion. Yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah, I have drunk and I have not left this room and yeah. I've thought about this, this and this. Like, it, it's kind of, to be honest, that would be quite therapeutic. It's, well, it's funny because uh, I found it therapeutic doing some of these darker jokes in spots when I'd only have 10 or 15 minutes. But yeah. I found this year my show pretty much circled around all these big bad things that, you know, I'd tested out the bits here and there. And then after the first week of the show, I've pulled my manager aside and said wow uh <laughs> i have not dealt with any of this <laughs> oh wow <laughs> going yeah. through like you know every night for an hour bringing up all these trauma real and raw ah the audience but the, the funny thing was like the depression was getting worse and worse as the run was going yeah. but the shows were getting more and more entertaining for the audience <laughs> oh shit 
Yeah, that is so like, goodness, yeah? Uh, I'll deal with it at the end of the festival. <laughs> then I'll fix myself. Gotta make that bank, baby. <laughs> Even if my, my mind yeah. bank is fucking depleted. Hey, but also, know, it takes the turn from getting off stage as the run gets better, better and just go, yeah, I'm killing, but yeah. is this killing me? Killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, so uh, without necessarily having to go into detail, when you have depressive spells, two questions. One, what shape does it take for you? What does it look like for you? And how long? And two, what's your do you feel like spell? you're going to get nominated for an award? <laughs> no, the nomination will kill me because I know I won't win it. You know, <laughs> uh, to be honest, I just, I just, it's something I learned at primary school to deal with, with, because basically it was, it, it started out as anger issues as a kid. And then as right. I've grown is developed into d- depressive spells. I just, remove myself from the situations so it's just a lot of time you know if i'm on the road i'll just stay in my hotel room until i got uh-huh. my gig put on a and, face for the gig yeah so i was going to ask does that does a when you are you still able to perform and like you know oh, put, bury it yeah yeah that's interesting because that's almost like similar to know you know when when you're feeling crook or whatever just having a fucking cold for whatever yeah. reason it disappears when you hit the stage and then you get off stage and bang it's back again i was oh, curious just, when the, it happens the time Enjoy. on stage that's it just yeah, right, that's boom, where it goes away you're home yeah this is this is where you're meant to be yeah and then it was back to that belonging thing, isn't it? Like when you yes, drop, it yeah, is. It is where right? you feel you feel like this is where I belong. I've been, you know, half Maori, half Scottish. Not yeah. sure where the fuck I am, but and then stage, even coming no out as gay, you. like yeah, they they're not they haven't pulled me in yet. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not getting me to fly flags at Mardi Gras for them yet. So I'm not even a part of that crew. Wow. But then, yeah. but then you can sit into a green room with. With Dill, who's been on MasterChef, and then you know this guy's a lawyer, and that guy was a doctor, and and then oh, he, he's Paul McDermott, and and then all these random people that in no other yeah situation in the in the world would they ever be crammed into a shitty green room, green room poorly yeah. painted, dimly lit room with a bucket of a couple of beers. Mate, come on, the Rhino Room green room is not that bad. <laughs> but but I'm but, getting but I'm then actually, I'm getting goosebumps. Clicks. I'm get literally getting goosebumps as you said that because yeah. it was only like three days ago I was having a chat to a comic about this very thing, which is that it's probably my favorite thing about stand-up is looking at the the mix of people, people yeah. that I, I would have never crossed paths no. with. Like Chris Franklin and I are yeah. not only good friends, but colleagues. Like when are the fucking industry, Three, yeah. a Sri Lankan ex-accountant <laughs> and a fucking ex-Navy mullet-wearing bogan are good ba- like uh, yeah. work friends? Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I love about it. Don't you have that with your own friends outside comedy? Well, not now. This is the problem. Like before comedy, I didn't really have any hobbies. So, you know, my friends are just the people I grew up with, and I always love them. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've we've been through all the hard times together, and you know, we've been there for each other, and and all that. But then, you know, you see the connections you can make with people within a few weeks or even a month that you've just met through comedy, and then you realise. Oh wow! The, this connection's a completely different connection to what I've got to my my friend, my family, and my friends. You know, Especially outside of the industry as well. Oh, like, on, yeah, because then you, you you have no choice. But it's like 
you know, speed dating a, a friendship that before yeah. you know within a week you you've shared more with someone than you have yeah. in, in, yeah. in, in, in then you, you say in a normal workplace where yeah. you know that would take maybe six months yeah. you know and then you've done it in in four or five days oh yeah, during okay. festivals you know like literally that's they're the closest things to relationships i have is when yeah. you know a whole bunch of us are stuck in to stay and then you realize Oh, you're having a bit of a down day. You call this person. You're like, oh, I'm not. Oh, come on, mate. Let's go out for lunch. We'll go. We'll go get a. F-. And I'm like, this is this is all shit people do with their with their partners, you know. Yeah. And then you you end up for you know you become your own little family on the road together because one, even if you do have a partner at home, unless they're in the industry, they don't understand I the just... emotions <laughs> or the yeah. I, you know, I just I just had to kick my whole family out of the house so I could yeah. do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's not you make the right call. Um, uh. So, uh, the, 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 in terms of you, um, when a spell hits you, a depressive spell, uh, have you got strategies that have helped you that maybe uh, you could share? Uh, to be honest, it's just I just. It might not be healthy, but I just sort of maintain as as little human contact as possible okay. until it until it passes. Right. I haven't found anything to help. Sometimes it might only be a couple of days. Sometimes it could be a couple of months. Right, and I just a couple of months. yeah, I, but I just try to stick to myself, gig as much as possible. Yep, um, and then just you know because it. They put me on medication, and I'm not opposed to people taking medication, but the problem was I was still pretty young, and I'm like, I'm just going to wait till it gets to the point where I can't function without it, and then I'll get on that. Because because yeah. the thing about with some of these medications is you start them, and then it's it's a life yeah. plan. So uh, okay. I try Especially to just... the antidepressants. It becomes you can't live without it, and then yeah. weaning yourself off is what I've heard from friends is is worth than quitting smoking and drinking put together. Yeah. Yeah. So the, to be honest, the cigarette, uh, rollies, that's my, yeah. that's my happy yeah. moment. I go sit out the back. I've got a little chair. I roll myself a Port Royal and just the whole, that process <laughs> of rolling port, And then you, that process is the sort of chill, calm. That's when I kind mm. of get to, that's my version of it. That's that's the bogan meditation. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, for someone who used to smoke rollies, the joy of rolling a a, a cigarette. Yeah. That it just and there's some days where you just go, "This is too beautiful yeah, to yeah. smoke." Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I'll put that aside and roll me yeah. a fuck. I roll another yeah, one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this we need to. I just mindful of the time because we yeah. we you had a scheduling thing, so we only have about yeah. ten more minutes with you, man. Um, if you're comfortable chatting about it. Yeah, um, I don't think it. we've ever had someone talk about having anger issues in the past. And I guess without necessarily dealing with the, what that looked like, I'm more curious as to what have you found, what have you done in order to be able to kind of, you know, keep that at keep bay that. or, you know, like. Well, oh, disclaimer, when I'm in my car, all the progress I've made over the last decade goes out the fucking window. <laughs> when, when I'm in traffic and 
you know, at the moment, the fans on my car aren't working. So I've got a F100. So the radiator only works when I'm driving. And if you're, oh, if you're, if you're you stopping at a yellow a light, I am losing my mind. So I just. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing yeah, out of fear, I think. Yeah. No, um, it's, Prince, uh, I've jumped Prince, out of my car just screaming. For someone who's who's, the one who's had a, who's had a valiant whose fans also yeah. gone where you have to keep that Go. momentum yeah, yeah. otherwise yeah your car just implodes. Yeah. Um, I love it. Of all the things to to increase your anxiety, God, that's got to be number one. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but in all honesty, the anger issues stemmed from typical daddy issues. Yeah. My father was a violent drunk, and you know sort of dealing with that through my teen years i was like you know angry at the world and bitter at the world and then as i got older i, I started sort of because my father's side of the family was all around australia and all around new zealand and just maybe in my early 20s i started tracking down the family in australia and then i, I finally got over to new zealand when i was about 25 and and uh met the family them down to, ta to take them out Yes, to try to take them all out. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, to reconnect. And, uh, to reconnect, and then I learned more about my father's upbringing. And yeah. he was he was sort of raised by his uncle that were uh, devout Mormon. And uh, devout Mormons back in the sixties were not a were not a were not someone you wanted to be raised by. So you know, I learned a lot of the traumatic experiences my father went through and could empathize and then could kind of understand because he didn't understand that bashing us was bad he couldn't understand that because like mm. well i fed you yeah you got food and and a, a roof inside because the version yeah the version of role models he had was so much worse so it's like, worse yeah he used yeah. to get locked in cages for days at a time and then just you know horrifically beaten and he goes, ah, oh, just you, you got a few bruises. That's not really a, you know, that was just a. So th then, as I got older, I sort of empathy. And then once the empathy kicked in, I'm like, well, I can't be angry at locked in cage boy, can I? Hmm. You know, <laughs> I got to understand that. Yeah, in man, but that's so powerful and really hard to do, though, mate. Like that is years of years of wiring that you had a realization of reframing it as going, oh, he was at some point, a little kid who got locked in a cage. Yeah. I feel sorry for this person that then, you know, there's a, there's a cliched line, which is hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. You know, the idea that if someone was hurt, they'd well, they pass that's, it on. That's a good line because that was a big reason. Because I, I was his carer. I ended up being his carer um, when he got sick. And it was, I had so many people saying, I, I can't believe you're doing that for him. I can't answer everything he did to you, kids. And, and I'm like, he... He fucked up being a dad. It doesn't give me the right to fuck up being a son. Oof. Where where do I, you know, how how am I going to break the cycle if I can sit back and be like, ah, well, you know. Could your siblings do the same thing? Uh, my sister was uh, supposed to be his carer, but then she split with her partner at the time and she, was, she had her two little kids and dad was yeah. that sick. Yeah. She didn't want the kids seeing him in that yeah. state because it would have just fucked them up yeah. so then by proxy i just kind of Whatever. filled in you know mm. i was was i was hoping to get away with just paying for the funeral that was 
But that you probably would have gone in like, because because then by proxy, do you think doing that did give you a sense of closure though? No, not at all. That, not at that, all. That it was, it was because, yeah, no. The last few moments where I had to make some calls that were against his wishes and and all that stuff, you know, which yeah. I'm glad I did because. I wouldn't want my siblings to have that, but it, yeah, it didn't give me closure. And are you the oldest? I'm the baby, but I'm the most. I yeah. make. I make the. I can make a decision. It's logic. Yeah. Logistics. You know, even when he was sick, oh, he can't have this. He can't have that. I'm like, you've given him three months to live. If he wants a Coca Cola and he dies a day early, he'll have a fucking Coca Cola. Mm. Yeah, you know, that, I mean, like, that's, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like, he's terminal, I've gone, he shouldn't be doing yeah. this. Ah, I don't care. Well, fucking, you know, what, what was the or die in two months? It doesn't, he's dead anyway. Of course, yeah. that's a really interesting point as well. Like, people, you know, we do that joke where it's, people have done the joke, sorry, where it's like, oh, if you know, if you quit smoking, you'll save five years of your life or whatever. But it's like, oh, yeah, yeah it's the last shit five years. Yeah, yeah. So if someone's like terminal with three months to live, what's the, you know, what's the yeah. one extra day? Like, and, they're, they're, and also, again, We've harped on about it on this podcast again, but it's just the fact that we are in a fucking country that doesn't allow euthanasia. No, if you're I, terminally, it is so. Are you sure about down. that now? I'm pretty sure that no, the things no. have changed now. I have no, like, no, to be honest, we've got a version of it. Yeah, because I, I was coming from the Netherlands. Yeah, they do it so well. Yeah, like why can't we just follow that model? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I just don't understand. It's, it's, and that would have been heart wrenching because you're like, you don't want to sit no, there. And no, watch no, once. Them. Like, I guess it's different for everyone, but all these people that want to keep their family on life support and the, I'm like, let them go, man. Like, let their suffering end because it's no good. It's yeah. nothing. You know, that's my, I'm like, fucking, they were fucked before. They, you know, if, even if they come out of it, they're going to sit in a hospital bed for six months. And again, it just comes back to that, regardless of everything that that man has put you through or what he's done, yeah. it just let him die with some dignity. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that and that and that that that's what comes that that is the, the biggest issue that you know you you don't want to be in immense amounts of pain you don't want to do all that stuff you just want to say goodbye right. to the people that you love yeah. and slip away. Yeah, I'll tell you what I did not expect to be tearing up 15 minutes after talking about writer's cock. Uh, <laughs> right, here you we got are. one up here, didn't you? And I heard the first <laughs> time it gets it gets easier from there, too. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, mate. Uh, uh, to to finish get... us off, then, mate. Uh, how how are you? How are you doing at this point now? L l like you're off to New Zealand. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement I'm, there. I'll get excited once I get to my hotel. I, I have a pretty baseline. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm like this, and then the thing. Yeah. And I'll just come back to yeah. my baseline. So I'm pretty chill at the moment. I've got a day to run around and get all my stuff sorted. But I'm always, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not on the edge, but yeah. I'm just happily content with 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 everything. Well, it's it, yeah. And also, living the dream, living the dream, just doing the biggest stadiums in the world, well, yeah. one of the biggest comics in the world. Like, I know. Oh, look, don't, don't get me said. I'm not trying to talk that down at all. The the fact that I've I've gotten this opportunity and uh, yeah, Jim it. is a great guy, a, a fucking master of our craft. Like, oh, you know, one of the best. Uh, yeah, so good. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, yeah, mate. Uh, so, well, yeah. 
Look, thank you so much for doing this. It was such a, a huge effort Amazing. by you Thanks, because man. of the scheduling. I really appreciate yeah. you getting it in. Um, and thank you very much. Um, uh, listeners who um, who were introduced to you, where can they find you? What, what Instagram? Uh, or? Rudy Boy ninety one is my gram. Hit me up on the gram. Yeah. Um, have a look at some of my pictures. I'm quite cute. Yeah, you are uh, adorable from certain angles. And <laughs> I've got shows. I've got no idea when they are or where they are. So yeah, we'll so Instagram's the way that. to go. Instagram. Uh, mate, thank you again. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, our listeners, you know, patreon.com slash fitbitpod, uh, Ben Lomas, yeah. comic, and Dilruk J. Dilruk J. Why am I adding comedian? Oh, that's my Facebook. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, uh, thank you very much. You're the best, See brother. Thank you. See you, guys. Thanks, Rudy. Bye. Appreciate it for you. Thanks, mate.